Hello and welcome to the Kick-Ass Life Project podcast. I am your host, Kate. I'm a trauma-informed counselor. I'm a cycle-thinking personal trainer. I am a self-taught extrovert when I need to be. I love giving presentations, but at my core, I'm an introvert, which is why I love podcasting. I can put my voice out into the world, hopefully share some valuable information with those of you who are looking for it, and I can do it all in my room in my PJs. (laughs) Now, if you are a regular listener, you may have noticed it's been a while since I put out an episode. I had planned on taking a break this summer, but I admit the break went on longer than intended. What has surprised me, I maybe it's more accurate to say what has floored me, is that people noticed, people that I have never met, noticed that this podcast was not happening, didn't have new episodes. I got some amazing messages from lovely, lovely strangers reaching out to say, hey, we enjoy your podcast and we miss it. The people who listen because they know me and I make them, they also mentioned that we're all caught up, so uh, what's next? Even my podcast platform sent me a message saying, hey, are you okay? (laughs) All of this made me tear up in a good way. Even that automated email from my podcast platform, shout out to Anchor, by the way. They're a free platform, super easy to use, and no, I am not getting paid at all to say that. Like, honestly, not, but really, really enjoy using them as a podcast platform. There's a life lesson in here. We often have no idea of the impact that we are making just by existing and interacting in the world. I know I can think of little things that people have done, maybe not even directly for me, but just around me, and it has ripple effect made a difference in my life. They might not even register it as a memory. So a huge, huge thank you to every single one of you who reached out to let me know that, yeah, these podcasts do reach some ears and they do mean something to you. I cannot tell you what that has meant for me. Now, obviously, this is a great place for me to say that subscribing and sharing this podcast makes it show up in other people's searches. And leaving a review on iTunes or rating on Spotify is like tossing a massive boulder into a pond in terms of ripple effect. So if you do that, leaving a review or a rating, please send me a screenshot of of your review or your rating, and I am going to send you a special gift. You can email me at kate at sassysexystrong.com. Okay, now, regardless of how you interact with this podcast, I am thrilled that you are here today. And I am going to stop babbling because I want you to be glad that you're here today too. (laughs) So time to be on with the show. I am a proponent of health at every size, and today I want to share with you five reasons to exercise that have nothing to do with body shape or size, and we're going to get right into it. Number one, autonomic nervous system regulation, specifically your heart rate variability. Heart rate variability, we're also going to call that HRV. This is not your heart rate. HRV is the space of time between each heartbeat. 
So it's not something we can measure on our own, like we can take our pulse and we can count the heartbeats, right? That's our heart rate. Heart rate variability is the amount of time in between each heartbeat. It is what many fitness wearables measure so that they can tell you when you're getting stressed. Because when our heart rate variability changes, that can signal that our sympathetic nervous system is kicking in. So when the space of time between each of our heartbeats is variable, meaning it's not regular, so the space of time in between each heartbeat is changing a lot, that's a signal to our nervous system that we're in a good place. We want a high heart rate variability. We want the variability to be high. So think of it like this. Imagine an athlete who is supple and alert and ready. They're on their toes, shifting their weight from one leg to the other, literally ready to fire off in any direction at a moment's notice. They have energy that is waiting to be sprung and they are aware of all the possibilities around them. An athletic stance is a strong stance and that's what a high heart rate variability is saying to our nervous system. It's saying, I can be slow, I can be fast, I can be middle of the road. Just tell me what I need to do and I can adjust and react fast. And our nervous system feels comforted by this. It's like our heart is literally saying, I've got you, I'm here for you. Now, once our sympathetic nervous system gets activated, our heart rate variability becomes low meaning the space of time between each heartbeat gets very regular. So low variability, high regularity. When that heartbeat variability gets regular, it's because our body now has a focus, a mission, and that mission is fight or flight. That's what our sympathetic nervous system is all about. So our body is predicting a metabolic outlay is going to be needed and our heart is pumping blood and oxygen to our muscles so that we are ready. That constant, regular pump of the heart says, I'm focused on this one mission and I am not paying attention to anything else, which is what we know happens in stress situations, right? We get very focused in, we stop being aware of all the little peripheral noises and things around us and we get tunnel visioned. That's what stress does. That's the same message our heart is sending our nervous system. So ideally, when we have no reason to be in a fight-flight mode, we want our body to reflect this. When we have a higher heart rate variability at rest, we can have a more regulated nervous system. And guess what? A side effect of exercise is a higher HRV at rest. We exercise and our heartbeat gets regular and intense and it does its job of sending blood around our body. Because when we step into more intense exercise, we are literally putting our body into a stress situation. I think I'm going to I think in my notes I talk about this a little bit later. So our heartbeat does get very regular and intense partly because it needs to get the blood and the oxygen around to the muscles and partly because that's what happens during a stress situation. And then we stop exercising. 
And not only did our body get a little bit stronger or faster, our heart rate variability got a little bit more confident that it can do its job, that it can kick in when needed, and it can stand down when that makes more sense. The space of time between each heartbeat when we are, are at rest gets more varied, more like that athlete waiting for their next play. So I hope that made sense. The nutshell version, heart rate variability high is a good thing. Exercise increases our heart rate variability. Let me know if you have questions about that one because I'm not getting into the weeds and the science and things of that, but yes, that is a thing. And again, your fitness wearables, that's what they're tracking. When they tell you, hey, you're getting stressed, it's because it has noticed a change in the heart rate variability. Okay, number two reason to exercise that has nothing to do with body shape or size, bone density. Now, this applies across the board to humans, but if you listen to this podcast, you know that I have a, a I can't think of the word, <laughs> I, I skew things towards my female listeners. And for female listeners, this is even more important. We'll get to the why of that. But bone density, what does that even mean? Because I know I hear it all the time. Bone density, it's a good thing. We want bone density. Yay, bone density. It's healthy, but I'm not sure that actually motivates me. I personally get more motivated when I understand things better. So I'm going to tell you a little bit story and I, I'm going to tell you a little bit story. I'm going to tell you a story and I promise that it's going to relate back to all this. I was on a big hike in Jasper a few years ago and there were these lovely Anukshuks along the way. Now, if you haven't seen an Anukshuk before, imagine a snowman with arms, but made out of rock. So there were also signs everywhere saying, do not create your own Anukshuk. The signs didn't say explicitly at penalty of death or anything like that, but they were quite stern and severe in their messaging. So naturally, my first thought was, you're not the boss of me. Don't tell me I can't make art in this beautiful place when clearly other people have already done it. Now, I may have voiced this out loud, and one of my much wiser friends explained that when we're hiking across large expanses of rock, it's obviously harder to know where the trail is and how to follow it. The Anukshuks are markers to show you the best route and how to join up with the trail once you hit a dirt path again brilliant, especially as this is an area that might get snow covered, so you would need markers that are visible above the ground, and there's no trees in the rock to attach ribbon to, and it's pretty hard to pound a signpost into rock. All in all, the Anukshuks are a brilliant guiding system. Until people start making their own Anukshuks in random places, and suddenly everyone's following the wrong path, getting lost, and I'm not exaggerating when I say it could put their lives in danger, because when you're hiking in these remote locations at high elevation without cell service, you kind of need to know you're on the right path. Now, once I understood the purpose behind the Anukshuks and the reasons that the signs were saying, don't make your own, all of my FUs, you can't tell me what to do, went away. 
I have no interest in risking someone else's life by sending them on a wild Anukshuk chase. So if anyone from Parks Canada happens to be listening, a wee bit of explanation on your signs might make life easier. Which brings me back to the bone density. If all things are working as they are designed, then our body adapts itself to be great at the demands we place on it. If we ask it to sit all day, it gets good at being in that position, and moving the muscles in a different way gets harder. If we live in a stressful situation, it gets good at being hypervigilant. If we run a lot, our cardiovascular system gets more efficient. If we lift heavy things, we get stronger muscles and better bone density. Now, all of this relates back to the Anukshuk story because when we understand the why behind it, I find it makes us more interested in following the suggestions, <laughs> i.e. don't make your own Anukshuks. I'm much more likely to, to go along with that when I understand the why, right? So me just saying bone density is good doesn't mean anything until you understand why bone density is good. So let's talk about that. Muscles and bones work together. And if we have bigger muscles on bones that aren't strong enough, we can't move efficiently. So as a general rule, when muscles get stronger, our body adapts and so do the bones. Muscles are attached to bones by this connective tissue that we call tendons. When our muscle contracts, the tendon pulls on the bone. The more dense that the bone is, the more force it can withstand. So bones get dense with minerals like calcium, protein, magnesium, phosphorus, vitamin D, potassium, fluoride, all these minerals. When we lift something heavy or we use our body in weight-bearing ways, the tendons pull on the bones and our body says, oh, this is what we're doing now? Okay, I'll prepare us for more of that. And one of the things our body does, or that our body puts on its to-do list, is to increase the minerals in our bones. That is making our bones more dense. That is increasing our bone density. And that matters because human bone density tends to peak in our mid-30s. For various reasons, females have a lower peak bone density than males, and we have a dramatic bone density, bone density drop during menopause. So anything that we can do to keep bone density high is vital to avoiding broken, broken bones as an older adult. It is worth noting that 80% of bone density is genetically determined so you can't do anything about that, but that 20% that you do have control over, that extra input that you can put into your bone density with something like weight training, body resistance workouts, it is even more important. So I hope that gave you a little bit more insight into bone density. If you already knew all that, that's okay, because we're moving on to number three, resilience. That's another word that to me, it's like, we, we like this word. Yes, I want resilience. I want more of that. But what does it mean? According to the dictionary, it means the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. 
let me introduce you to the cross-stressor adaptation hypothesis. Woo! Cross-stressor adaptation. This hypothesis proposes that physiological adaptations received from exercise, so the body changes that happen when we exercise, they improve the efficiency of our stress response, and that transfers over to psychological stressors. What that means is that we have evidence that shows that when we exercise, we activate something called our HPA axis. That's the stress response. That's what happens. When our stress response goes off, it means our HPA axis has fired. When we exercise, the stress response comes on. Told you I was gonna to get to that. Basically, we create a stressful situation for our body. Our body tolerates that stress. It makes beneficial adaptations or changes because of that stress. And then when our stress response is activated because of life sucks moments, like outside of exercise in the gym, but just, you know, we're in our life and someone cuts us off in traffic or our partner tells us they're leaving or we lose our job or our, we find out our kids are failing grade whatever. When those life sucks moments happen, our ability to tolerate that stress is higher because our body learned how to recover from it when it was exercising. We have literally increased our capacity to recover from psychological difficulties by teaching our body how to recover from physical difficulties. How freaking cool is that? That's what resilience is. Resilience is the capacity to recover from difficulties. When we teach our body to do it, it crosses over and helps our mind be able to do it. Hey, quick editing interjection here because after I finished recording, I realized there's a few important elements to this exercise-induced stress that, are, that make it different from trauma or late-for-work stress. And those differences make all the difference. I'm going to do an episode next week on using stress to our advantage, so please tune into that so that you can fine-tune this resilience benefit. And now I'm going to send you back into the podcast and talk about something called galanin. Now, one part of that may be in thanks to galanin production. Galanin is a neuropeptide. Nope, I am still not going to blind you with science, don't worry. Mostly because I myself am not weeds deep in the science either, but neuropeptides are chemical messengers and they're involved with the strengthening of our neural connections. So all the little connections and the neurons in our brain and blah, 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 blah. Chemical messengers are what neuropeptides are. Galanin is a neuropeptide. Okay. Galanin protects our neurons from degeneration caused by stress. So yes, the neurons in our brain can be harmed by stress. Galanin, one of its jobs is to protect the neurons from that, that harm. In fact, researchers also showed that galanin can reverse the negative effects of stress. Now, FYI, full transparency, to the best of my knowledge, this research has been done on mat, r mice and rats and specific to running as the type of exercise. But still, kind of exciting stuff, right? I mean, if, if 
gallon-in production increases because of running, I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably this happens with other types of exercise as well, but it just hasn't been studied with other types of exercise. We do know for sure it happens with running. And I was not able to find the exact study, but I also fairly certain I heard somewhere that it has actually been studied on humans at this point, but I know for sure it's been studied on mice and rats. Okay. Our prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain which is full of neurons and is responsible for planning and decision making, emotion regulation, and stress resilience, just to name a few. The theory is that gal the galanin that we gain from exercise is helping maintain our brain's neuroplasticity, which is our brain's ability to modify, change, and adapt. So galanin that we gain during exercise maintains our brain's ability to modify, change, and adapt in our prefrontal cortex. Again, freaking awesome stuff, right? When, when we can know that exercise might help us in these ways, but then we have the science backing us up and saying, hey, this is what's going on. I find that really cool. Literally, that exercise is building your emotional resilience. On a personal note, running to increase resilience motivates me to run more. Running to lose weight does not. Now why? Both things are a change, right? It's, it's some sort of change going on in my body. I personally think it's because weight loss is something that outside influences are forcing me to care about, whereas my own resilience is something I internally give a shit about. And my own resilience is going to help me care less about other people's opinions of my body. So it's a double win. Exercise, weightlifting, and running in particular have been my coping method for trauma recovery. And don't get me wrong, I can abuse food. I am no stranger to a glass of wine when life gets rough. And for those of you who have read my About Me page, you will know that I had a three-month stretch of time when I was high or drunk every night in order to survive my emotions. But for me, exercise is the only coping method that doesn't have the negative side effects that the other stuff does. Because yeah, my muscles can get sore, but a manageable amount of that feeling actually feels rewarding. And I've learned how to work with my body for recovery time. You know that if you are in a body that experiences the normal hormonal fluctuations of menstruation, there are ways to optimize your training so that you reduce muscle soreness. And if that interests you, I suggest my free five-day undiet journey as a starting place to help you start relating to your body like it's your friend instead of your worst enemy. So I'll put in a link in the show notes, but you can also head to my website, sassysexystrong.com, and you should be able to find that undiet journey pretty easily from the homepage, I would think. Okay, number four, because we're getting close to, I like to keep these podcasts to around 30 minutes most of the time, and we're getting close, but I, I think we're going we're gonna to get this done. Okay, number four, mental health. Well, that's pretty general, like, duh, of course, mental health. I'm sure you've heard that before. But this one has many pitfalls attached to it. Our traditional fitness world is full of judgment about what your body should look like. 
and that's not good for our mental health. Our traditional fitness world takes away autonomy and limits and restricts us. Also not good for mental health. Our traditional fitness world rewards us for ignoring messages from our body like hunger or energy levels. And that's not good for our mental health. So yes, exercise is good for mental health, but learning to navigate the fitness world might need guidance. And again, please consider that free five-day undiet journey. But if you really want to set up a mental health-focused fitness lifestyle that will support your body and your mind, I would suggest checking out my Fierce as Fuck journey. Now, it is a paid journey. It is three months. It is also going to be linked to in the show notes. So let's come back to how exercise is actually good for your mental health, beyond the resilience that I've already talked about. And let's talk about an instant benefit. None of this over time, this will happen crap. In six to eight weeks kind of thing. When you are exercising and exerting, it gets harder to think about other stuff. Now, my big caveat here is obviously please work at a level that is appropriate for you, but intense exercise can be a welcome momentary break from intrusive thoughts. Plus, it's a way to discharge the excess energy of the anxiety that those thoughts might be creating. A longer-term mental health benefit comes back to that autonomic nervous system regulation and the resilience capacity that exercise creates. When our nervous system is balanced and we are able to manage stress, we are able to think differently. We have access to different parts of our brain and our brain is, is firing on more cylinders. It's able to have more ideas, make different decisions. We are able to engage our prefrontal cortex, problem solve, and just all in all get along better with ourselves. Now, full transparency again, exercise is not the only option for this, like meditation is another option. But if you exercise, you're going to get all the benefits we've been talking about today, whether you want them or not. And before I get to this last one, number five, probably a good time for me to also pop in here that reminder that nothing I say is meant as a replacement for mental health help or physical training help Nothing is meant as specific advice for you, your body, or your life. So please take all of that into account as you are listening to my podcasts. Number five, confidence. Not because of your body shape, but because of doing hard things. It's also confidence because you are increasing your self-efficacy meaning your belief in yourself that you can figure things out. It's confidence because you're sticking with it. Whether that means sticking with it to finish one set, one workout, or a month of workouts. And yep, I can hear it already. I know there's a bunch of you who are going to want to say, but I don't stick with it, Kate. And to that, I'm going to say, well, you are here listening to a podcast on exercise, right? That says to me that you have not given up. You are still looking for a way to make it work for you. So you are sticking with it. 
And I would suggest that if you haven't tried a mental health focused fitness plan based on your female body needs, I'm not surprised it's been hard to stick with whatever fitness routine you've been doing. That's exactly what my Fierce as Fuck program is all about. So yes, check that out in the show notes if you are ready to do things differently. And I'd also love to quote Mayim Bialik here. Something I heard her say about change. When you try something new, if you directly compare it to what you had been doing, it's going to be painful, shocking, and not sustainable. Thank you, Mayim Bialik. I think that's brilliant. So if you compare your life of regular exercise to a life of not exercising regularly, in the beginning, the exercise life is going to feel like the harder choice. Your body might feel sore. It's taking up time in your day. There could be extra costs. There's all this motivation you have to find. And maybe there's a ton of decisions to be made about what exercise to do. Not to mention the energy you spend pushing away the disappointment that your body hasn't changed overnight, or the energy it takes to just even walk into a gym full of people who are in better shape than you. At least that's how it feels. Mental energy takes physical energy. How often have you given yourself some compassion for all of that when you are starting a new fitness routine? which was all a very long-winded way to say that I believe you can stick with it if the fitness lifestyle you are building is something you realistically want to live with for the rest of your life. And yeah, we can create a fitness routine like that for you. And when exercise does become a regular part of your life, it builds confidence. There is something about the outside of our body getting stronger that makes the inside of us feel stronger and more confident. So there are my five reasons to exercise that have nothing to do with body shape or size. ANS regulation, bone density increases, resilience increases, mental health benefits all around, confidence increases. What do you think? Which of these appeals to you the most? What other benefits would you add to this list? Do you agree with the ones I have on this list? I would love for you to send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. It's at Kickass Life Project. Or answer the poll if you're listening on Spotify, because apparently Spotify lets you put up polls, and I am going to try and do that. So <laughs> if there's no poll, it just means I didn't figure it out. Don't worry about it. But if there's a poll there, I would love for you to answer. And don't hold the polls. Like if I can't figure out the tech stuff on Spotify, don't hold that against me when you leave that review on iTunes. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I wish you a wonderful workout because I know I've probably inspired you to go do one. And when you are building that stress resilience by stressing your body physically and it's starting to feel like it's not worth it, remember this. You're still on. Keep riding.